my name's Rachel and this is the Apomogy Podcast. For those of you who aren't familiar with the concept of an apomogy, an apomogy is an anonymous apology given by way of pom-pom. It must be sincere and can't have been given before. So I've been running this project for the last eight months and I have been inspired to start this podcast to find out a little bit more behind the submissions that I've been receiving. Today, I'll be interviewing a woman about her story. Hello, friend. So I'm really excited to have you on this program today. You are our first apology guest and I'm very excited. Um, how are you feeling? <laughs> I'm uh, quite well, thank you. That's so good to hear. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank right. you for having me. And no it's, an, it's an honour to be your... I'm glad it's an honour. <laughs> I'm like Groundbreaking um, apology individual. What a premiere event. Yeah. Um, so, um, we'll just launch right into it. So, step one of our fun affair today... I'm going to get you to write out your apology. I'm picking up the Nikon. Yes. <laughs> and you're going to jot it out. My hand is shaking. Yep. Should I write it and then read yes, it? Yes, I think so. So just to explain, this young lady here is writing out an apology today. And in Memento, we will read it before attaching it to a pom-pom. So currently we have 858 apologies in the Apology Project and oh my goodness, as of right now, we have 859. Yeehaw. Oh heavens. Cool. So I'm going to ask you, what is your apology? My apology today is that I am sorry that I accidentally killed your mother. Wowzers. Mm-hmm. It's a big one. It is. That is a big kahuna. Yep. I have a tickle fish in my belly. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing after that apology, <laughs> but I am. Look, it's a funny story. Okay. Well, look, before going into the whole thing, I want to ask you, do you consider yourself to be a over-apologizer, <laughs> a kind of normal amount apologizer, or just like an under-apologizer? I'm a healthy apologizer. Mm-hmm. I apologize when it's due. I apologize if I feel I have done the wrong thing. I will often apologize for other people mm-hmm. who either can't apologize or they're dicks. Okay. So in terms of your apologies, do you feel like you would prefer to give an apology verbally or do you think that you'd like to send an email or a text well, or do you have like a preferred method I it guess. depends what i've done okay. <laughs> well. i've had a girlfriend who once baked a uh probably 120 cupcakes yeah. to apologize to an entire party oh for her God. behavior what did she do i, I can't go Are into that that's, that's an apology for i won't tell yeah, someone yeah, else's yeah, story okay, cool. <laughs> well that brings us nicely then into yours so I am sorry that I accidentally killed your mother. Tell me about this apology. I'm going to start at the beginning, which might be a little bit far back. But it's a very good place to start. Indeed. So I would have been maybe 31. So it's a, almost 10 years ago now. Okay. And I'd, I'd come out of a, a seven-year relationship. And I'd been single for a while and online dating and there was a, a boy who was on the peripheral fringes of my friend group and I caught his eye and he caught mine and there was that dalliance of 
you know, testing the waters. Do we like each other? Yes, we did. And we started seeing each other, which was lovely. Mm -hmm. And I guess it was full on because we had friends who were mutual friends. So it was kind of like a coming out situation where it was, yes, we're seeing each other. And it was lovely. He um, was a very sweet and thoughtful individual and it was a beautiful courtship. Uh, he had a large family and as you'd be aware, when you start seeing somebody, you see their family and his family were and still are batshit crazy. But mine is as well. So it was very well syncopated and everyone got along. And I remember there's this, there's a moment in my head that I can bring back with startling clarity. I was laying on the couch and we'd had dinner because I don't love easily. I, I don't like love very much. I don't find it easy to love people. Um, they've got to go through trials <laughs> to earn it. But I remember laying on the couch and looking over and he was in the kitchen and it was summer and it was hot and he'd made dinner and he was cleaning up after dinner and he was wearing his undies <laughs> packing the dishwasher and he had an ass like a peach <laughs> and it dawned on me that I was in love with this person and I could very well happily spend the rest of my life watching this man with a peachy ass pack a dishwasher after he'd fed me and the dog and I were laying on the couch probably watching Antique Roadshow or Bargain Hunt and that when you have that that moment of epiphany it it's like a photograph gets taken in your head I can see him right now so once I realized I was in love with this person it's very liberating because you can start to plan a future with them and you can see yourself growing old with them and it's th this sense of safety that you know each other so well and there's no doubt and we were very happy for a long time. We travelled together and holidayed together and, you know, left love notes and lived in each other's pockets and loved his dog and he loved my cat. Um, my cat died over the course of our relationship. He was 14 and so that was nice to have him there as a person who I actually called him at 2am in the morning when the cat died. <laughs> And, and made him come and get me and he drove me around in circles while I cradled my, my dead cat in my lap because I wanted to go and have an autopsy done. So we'd been together for quite a while and there was talk of marriage and he really wanted children because he came from a large family and I don't like children and I don't want children but... Because he wanted it, I started considering the idea that maybe it wouldn't be a horrible option and maybe I could tolerate that parasitic host relationship for nine months if that's what he wanted. So houses were looked at, rings were looked at, parents were talked to, um, even went so far as to put a deposit down on a house. And a few weeks later, his behaviour was a little bit off 
you know, the questions, are you okay? Is everything all right? It was always met with a, yep, everything's fine. And then one night on the phone, he was like, no, it's not fine. I don't want to be with you. I don't see a future with you. Yeah. So I thought it it wasn't real, that it was something happening outside of me. And I thought, oh, he just – he's – He's one of these very highly strung people and maybe he was just having a, a, a brain schism. So I said, look, how about you have two weeks to yourself and really think about what it is you want, um, if there's anything I can do or reassure you, if there's anything you don't want me to do. So he said, okay. And the two weeks felt like two years. There was no communication, no emails, no texts. Very strange time. And after the two weeks, he called me and over the telephone told me that I was not the one, which was devastating. And for someone who doesn't love easily, it's almost affronting. I felt so angry. Let me rewind a little bit. So over the phone he said, you're not the one. And I said, okay, where is the one? Who is the one? What if your one is an old woman in China who you're never going to meet? Am I at least considered as an option? Anyway, awkward conversation. It was over. So we had to do the exchange of possessions. And in between being told I wasn't the one and going around there to collect my things, I wrote a list of questions that I had for him. Are you unhappy? And he said, no, I'm very happy. And I'm becoming more and more confused. Are you gay? <laughs> Which would have been fine as well, because you know. Um, and he said, no, I'm not gay. So there was no reason as to... The only answer he could give me was, I wasn't the one. Which for me isn't an answer. It's very confusing. I felt like um, maybe the guy who could have been Neo in the Matrix, but just didn't quite get there. So we had this very awkward, strange, he was sobbing, there was snot coming out of his nose and I held my composure because I was so confused and frustrated and we parted ways. And I read an article in a magazine about something similar that had happened to a woman in America and her tactic was to just stay away and he would come to his senses and realise the mistake he'd made. And so that's exactly what I did. And meanwhile, I had friends and family telling me that, you know, he'd always been a bit off and he was always a little bit crazy and he had this mother who played a very large part in his life and was very controlling. And I stayed away. I stayed away. And then I realised that he wasn't coming back and he wasn't going to have this dawning moment where he realised he'd let go of the love of his life. And I was ruined. I started drinking heavily. 
and I started eating badly and I would stay up until two or three in the morning drinking wine and wailing to horrific love songs and then bloody Goitier released that somebody that I used to know. (laughs) I got horrifically drunk one night and I played that song on the household stereo at top volume, I would say at least 27 times. It's all a blur now. But I remember sitting on the couch with a wine glass in my hand, wailing at the TV and singing along to the words. And finally I went to bed. Three or four days later, I had a package in the mail. I was so drunk, I'd gotten online and bought every single CD that Goitier <laughs> had ever released. Wow. I bought signed copies. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the collection. Um, but there was this little part of me that was furious and resentful and angry and I fanned the flames of that little spark inside me and I started wishing ill on him and I'm a goth from way back I know my craft and the more I thought about him the angrier I got to a point where my life became consumed with wishing bad things upon him and I knew I shouldn't have been doing it but I couldn't help it the glee I got imagining accidents happening to him and because he was a friend of my circle of friends word got back to me that he had been riding his bicycle one day to work and a CEO of a company in his Mercedes hit him And he was knocked off his bicycle and he broke his wrist and broke three ribs. And that evil little part of me was gleeful that this horrific, horrific event had befallen him. And so I thought maybe if I concentrate even harder, maybe worse things will happen to him. So I'm going to rewind just a moment. So do you feel that this initial accident happened because you felt so enraged and furious? Or do you think that it was a coincidence and then once this coincidence happened, you felt like you wanted more of those kind of coincidences to happen? I feel that everything in in the universe is made of energy. And I was projecting so much ill will on him that I feel it... Part of it's consequence, part of it is focused revenge. So I think when you put those two things in accordance with each other, it might have happened even if I'd not been wishing ill on him. But I think it was amplified. So I I was quite happy with this outcome. And silly boy had taken up skydiving. Not, not skydiving. What's the one where you have like the big kite behind you? Hang gliding, <laughs> silly person. <laughs> so a few months went past and then I heard through the grapevine that he was in hospital because there had been a hang gliding accident and he had flown into a cliff. <laughs> and not only had the ribs rebroken, but his pelvis was shattered, quite like my heart 
before this event happened, did you concentrate your thoughts specifically on anything particularly bad happening to him or do you feel like you just had a lot of negative energy coming in his direction? I wanted I wanted to hurt him, so I think I focused on injury and I think I focused on damaging him physically because I was so hurt, all I could do was project hurt back to him. And I think subconsciously it was making me feel better knowing that he was hurt even if it wasn't his heart hurting it was his body hurting and that's still a pain yeah that you have to deal with so did you do anything in particular to focus these feelings <laughs> are you asking me did <laughs> i hex him are you asking i mean me? i think this is what i'm asking you um in in the light of the moon yes it was a deliberate a construct deliberate okay at what point did you actually hex him after you broke up and how did that come about look I'd say it was probably three months after we broke up when I realized that it was over there were steps taken which there's always a small part of you that doesn't believe in that sort of thing but when you start to see the results from doing so had you hexed someone before yes yes someone did had you seen that in your mind what you had set out to hex um the results so yes had, yeah i've wow. been successful you yes know, you don't have to tell me specifically how you hex this person but can you walk me through loosely how you go about hexing someone like what what do you do um there is the physical ritual of the practice where you can take something they own or a, a part of their physical body. But it's more a matter of focusing your energies and constantly... Ki- it's like splitting your mind in two and always having that part of your mind focused on putting this negative energy out there. And it's, it's very exhausting. I don't recommend... No one at home try this. Please don't try this at home. But there is a ritual side to it and you you need to maintain... A, a lot of anger, I guess, and that was fed by sadness and rejection. Um, it's 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 very difficult to explain because it's not like you wake up and you have your breakfast and then you go, I'm just going to top up my hex. No. No, so it becomes a subconscious thing. Like once you've done the physical ritual of, you know, yeah. what witchy types do. Yeah. So... I, w- I was startled that he'd had such a horrific accident and I was also upset that his brush with death hadn't been enough for him to pick up the phone and call me. <laughs> <laughs> so while doing this hex, there was still a part of you that hoped that the end result of something bad happening to him would lead him back to you. Yeah, Oh, definitely. Because he would realise that he needed me and that he missed me and there was no one else there to to help pick up the pieces. And saying it out loud sounds so silly and selfish and and childlike. I just have visions of that girl from the craft. Oh, yeah. That was me laughing maniacally. (laughs) So if I can ask, did you do the hex before the initial bike accident? Yes. Okay, so you did. Yes. And so when the first bike accident happened, you were like, okay, 
you've injured yourself this is not enough when the cliff accident happened and he still didn't call you you were at the point where you were like like the desired outcome hasn't yeah i wanted more because clearly he hadn't learned his lesson and i was still in a lot of pain i was i was in the grip of it it is grief when a relationship ends it's it's grief and sometimes it's a little a little worse with especially with social media these days because you cannot escape as as much as you unfriend them and and block all of their friends and family you still get pop-ups of them in your life and it's it's like seeing a ghost from your past and there's a hand around your heart that that you know clenches and you're constantly reminded that it's broken and this person isn't a part of your life anymore, which is devastating when you're so reluctant to love someone. And we were together for four years, so it's quite a long time to get used to having someone in your life and you become such an integral part of theirs. I mean, I missed his dog so much and she was a twit. Okay, so after this this last accident, what happened then? Well, I I texted him. It was probably our first communication um, since it. And I said, look, I've heard this has happened. And he said, come and see me in hospital. But of course I was like, no, sod off, you heartbreaker. But he obviously thought you were on good enough terms to invite you to hospital. Who are you? What are you doing? (laughs) No, so that, look, that that might have encouraged me to, to keep this up instead of, having been satisfied with the results. And this is my own nosiness, but during this time, did you notice him via social media or anything or dating anyone else or were there no, any rumours? No, okay, yeah. no, and I <clears throat> I didn't want to know, yeah, but enough. I no, not at that time he wasn't. Because, um, yeah, a lot of my friends are saying that he wasn't doing particularly well either, which just added to my confusion of why would you create this situation where both people are happy? Like, what? Look, I still don't get it. I've, I've learned to accept. <laughs> okay. So I now have to lead into how did you get to the point where you accidentally killed his mother? Well, I think it was a culmination of, of wishing horrible, horrible things upon him. And the saying it comes in threes hasn't lasted for as long as it does for no reason. Bad things come in threes. And the last part, of of the hexing was that I received a text from him saying that his his mother who I feel was partly responsible for the breakup had died suddenly why did you think she was partly responsible for the breakup well because there wasn't a reason because I'd asked him a series of questions and by us having a future together it meant that his mother would have to step out of his life a little bit to make room for me and I don't think she was ready to do that. I think she had a a nice firm grip on him and his life and he contributed to her life financially, emotionally and I think she was very wary that by, by us having a marriage and a future and a home together she would be pushed out a little bit so it was fair enough to say maybe that when you and him broke up you were also really angry at her yeah but it was strange because she would often contact me and say 
that he'd made a bad decision and she would bring me gifts and want to meet for coffee all the time. I don't know if it was her putting on an act, um, but I nipped that in the bud pretty quickly because I wasn't comfortable with it. Yeah, I don't feel comfortable having coffee with someone I'm hexing. (laughs) (laughs) So did you ever think about her when you were hexing? No, no, not at all. No. Just accidentally as well. I think... I think that was a a side effect. Yeah, because maybe it was something that would directly hurt him yeah. and that harm. Kind exactly. Of I wanted him to feel the grief that I was feeling. And once you release a hex, and we're using the word hex because it's the most That's easily fine. understood. Once you release that energy into the world, you lose control of it. It, it has its own mind and it takes on its own form. And it's like, it's like watching one of those avalanches in the French villages where you can, you can see the skiers and the snowboarders and the avalanche is really high up in the mountains. And before you know it, everything is consumed by it. I think she just happened to be a, a bystander that was caught up in it. Wow. So obviously you've written out your apology today and you're saying sorry for accidentally killing his mother. So you're obviously sorry. And why are you sorry for it? I think I realised that resenting someone and wishing so much ill will on them wasn't healthy for me. And it wasn't healthy for the people that were around me. So I would say maybe two years ago, which in the scheme of things is quite recently. Okay. And what what was it about two years ago that made you actually feel sorry for it? Was it just that overwhelming feeling? I think it's exhausting. I think it's exhausting holding something holding that against someone for so long it it really wears you out and it 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 eclipses what you could be finding joy in and what you could be finding happiness in in your own life I think subconsciously I have been sorry and I've wanted to apologize to him for a long time but there's this very proud arrogant bitch inside of me that says shut up you're not sorry so do you still sometimes question whether you are actually sorry or for that in particular, do you feel like you are? I, I am sincerely sorry for all three that wow. befell him. Um, and as you'd know from the craft, it comes back on well, you. that's what I was going to ask. Do you feel like it has come back on you times three? I think to a degree, yes. I haven't, I haven't had any physical accidents and I haven't had... Um, the loss of a parent, thank heavens, because coping with that would just be heart-rendering. Um, but I have, in, in the, I think in a lot of little ways, the, the universe has reminded me, hey, you need to suck this up because you gave it out. So, um, so yes, I am sincerely sorry. And I, I now that I am a, a better person, mm-hmm. I... I wish him happiness and I wish his family happiness and I know when I go over to the other side, as we all do, I will see his mother and she will be completely oblivious and we'll probably have coffee and exchange some awkward presents. Totally. 
So do you feel like you wish you had given him this apology already or do you feel like you're still not ready to verbally tell him sorry? Look, that's a tough one because it's like when the wound scabs over and you want to pick at it but you know that if you leave it alone, I think seeing him or hearing his voice would be very difficult to deal with. Um, this will be the closest I get to giving him an apology. Um, in my mind, I've apologised to him many times over. So I think repeating that has made it a real enough event where I've been able to move on from my guilt associated with this. And after what has happened in this experience that you've had, do you think you ever would put a hex on anyone ever again? Oh, heavens no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Never. No. Don't do it, kids. Don't do it. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been a real interesting time. It's been really a delight. Yeah. I, um, I wish you all the success in this and I would like to thank you. <laughs> for allowing me to say these words and put them out there. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to the very first Apology podcast. If you would like to contribute an anonymous submission to the Apology Art Project, head to www.apomogy.com. And if you'd like to be featured on this podcast, send me your story to apomogy at gmail.com. See you next time.